You're listening to the Women's Health Cast, a podcast about issues and innovations in women's health from the University of Wisconsin-Madison Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology. I'm Jackie Askins. April 11th through 17th is Black Maternal Health Week, a campaign intended to raise awareness and build community around health issues disproportionately affecting Black women in the U.S. There are so many pieces to the puzzle of improving maternal health outcomes. In early March, the UW Department of OBGYN hosted the first-ever Wisconsin Contraceptive Care Summit, helping women's health providers and advocates strengthen their contraceptive care skills through a reproductive justice lens. To learn more about the role of reproductive justice in improving Black maternal health, I sat down with Leanne Jordan at the summit. Leanne is Director of Doula Programming at Maroon Calabash, a community-based doula program in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'm really, really grateful to get to spend a little bit of time with Leanne Jordan during the first ever Wisconsin Contraceptive Care Summit. Thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you for inviting me. Before we get started, I'm really looking forward to learning a little bit more about reproductive justice from you and contraceptive equity. Um, But first, I'd like to know about you, about your background, what kind of work you do, and what kind of spaces you work in. Yes, so I am a doula by trade. I have my own uh, doula private practice, and so um, for people that may not know, a doula is a trained uh, labor companion, and so we support families um, specifically through uh, birth experiences, but there are full-spectrum doulas as well that offer um, support throughout all reproductive experiences. Uh, For me, most of my clients are giving birth, and so I will support them in making the best decisions throughout their pregnancy, planning for labor and delivery, and the postpartum period. I'll be with them uh, 24-7 until they deliver their baby once they start labor. Uh, by their side, providing uh, counter pressure, providing um, any kind of soothing speak or touch or any kind of physical support and emotional support they may need to be able to feel safe um, and uh, to safely birth their baby. And then in the postpartum period, I help out as well. So a lot of families have... Uh, disconnection with their support system and so uh, people come over and they want to just chat and talk about baby but nobody really wants to pick up a broom or wash any dishes and that's what a lot of families need to keep their households running as normal as they transition into this new period and so doulas can help out with that as well. And so um, I'm a doula but I'm also um, the executive director of Maroon Calabash and we're a uh, organization that does birth work through or through a reproductive justice lens, and so um, we have a uh, arm of our organization that is just for coordinating doula care for Black women in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, um, and making sure that our communities have access to that support. And then we are a political bridge, and so we use some of the data from our direct service to be able to inform policies on a state and national level when it comes to advocating for women's reproductive health issues, uh, and then we provide community education. So that's uh, going into different organizations or even community centers and sharing information that may help people make better choices with reproductive health care, um, but also provider-facing, making sure that our providers are staying up to date with the different ways that they can support families, um, especially diverse families and families that have unique challenges. So you... Um you mentioned that you work through a reproductive justice framework. Yes. And, uh, 
what is reproductive justice? Yes, reproductive justice um, is this beautiful framework that was founded by black women in the late 90s, and it says that um, it is our human right to be able to have children, not have children, um, retain our bodily autonomy, and if we do have children, to raise those children in safe um, communities and in safe spaces. So it's kind of like everything, right? So abortion access is reproductive justice. Um, immigrant rights is reproductive justice. Um, police brutality and, and trying to mitigate that uh, experience for a lot of communities is reproductive justice. Anything that can impact our abilities to have families or to define what family looks like for us. And to raise them in a, an environment that right. encourages thriving. And exactly, safety. exactly. How do you think a uh, reproductive justice framework can um, support improved outcomes in maternal morbidity and mortality as a, as a developed nation with yeah. um, kind of terrifyingly bad maternal mortality statistics? Mm -hmm. What role does reproductive justice um, education and support for providers play yeah. in kind of improving some of those outcomes. Yes, so I think when we look at maternal mortality and morbidity and infant mortality, we are often blaming people for their circumstances. So a lot of times we say, you didn't go to your prenatal visits, you um, uh, had high blood pressure, you aren't eating the right foods, and so a reproductive justice framework um, does not blame the individual for their circumstances and for the outcomes, the birth outcomes that they, the poor birth outcomes that they receive um, and experience, but it, uh, it reprioritizes um, and it allows us to see the system as a whole and the person within that system. And that's really what we need to address. And in the second session that I spoke in today, um, that's what we really talk about is that we um, often need to address why are people having a uh, challenge accessing healthy foods that are affordable? Why are they having a challenge um, accessing healthcare on a regular basis and being able to receive uh, the services that they need to maintain their health during pregnancy and in the postpartum period? Um, and what other factors come into play when we talk about historical trauma? A lot of things that communities of color specifically experience is that our bodies hold on to this trauma for generations and generations and we pass it on to our children. How can we break that cycle? How can we include that in our healthcare and understand that um, some of these disparities that we experience are in our DNA already and then also understand that the medical system plays a role in it um, and the way people are treated and the perception, especially for black women, there's this so widely uh, researched that black women's pain is not uh, is not believed. And also just women in general, our pain is not believed. And the stories you'll hear about doctors just saying, oh, it's nothing, here's a Tylenol, just go home, you're all right. Or under medicating women of color when it comes to C-sections or big um, life uh, surgeries and different uh, operations that they may experience where their white and other race uh, counterparts receive adequate medication to be able to manage the pain that they're experiencing. As a reproductive justice lens really helps us look at the whole issue and attack it from a holistic perspective. So you presented sessions today yes. at the first ever Wisconsin Contraceptive Care Summit. Yeah. Um, 
And they focused on contraceptive, the first one that I watched focused on contraceptive equity. Yes. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about like what that means and what your what your session focused on? Yeah, um, we are very focused on um, access and sometimes access is not equitable and just because we have access doesn't mean that we have equity. Um, and it's, uh, I think a lot of people, especially in corporate spaces are very familiar with that uh, visual of uh, three people standing at a fence. And so it's access that they're able to be in that space, right? But it's not equity um, until all barriers are removed that are specific to an individual. So just because there's no fence anymore, maybe um, th that is really true <laughs> equity. But uh, access says that, okay, maybe we can make sure that the shorter person stands on something that they can see. Um, but equity is really removing all of those barriers and making sure that everybody um, has access to whatever they need to make sure that those barriers are not present for them. And so when it comes to contraceptive access and equity, um, we want to share more information specifically with providers to make sure that as they're speaking with families, as they're counseling individuals, um, that they're approaching that uh, counseling session and uh, listening with equity and making sure that they understand that different people come to the table um, from a different space, that people are facing a lot of barriers to be able to just be in that room. And then there's also more barriers when it comes to understanding the idea of what is accessible to them. So I wanted to ask about that because mm -hmm. a lot of the audience today um, are people who work in healthcare in a variety of ways, and a, a lot of our audience is providers. Yeah. People who are going to be seeing patients who are coming to them for a variety of contraceptive care needs and, right. and other needs. Um, and so I wanted to ask why you why you felt it was important that uh, all the providers in the room today really got that message. Yes, yes. So it's important that providers um, got this message today because our medical system, even though it's wonderful, has been built on so many problematic things. The pillars of our medical system and the history of our medical system in this, in this country is so steeped with trauma and exploitation and coercion and some of those things still persist today. They look different, they sound different, they may not be, uh, they may not feel like coercion, but patients still walk away not feeling great about their decision, even if now they have access to something like contraceptive care um, and they have, they're holding in their hand um, a birth control method. They may not still feel great about that method because they still have questions that weren't answered. And so hopefully in our process of speaking with more providers, we can allow them to um, understand what patients are experiencing and maybe there's some system change that can happen as they talk to their administrators and we're able to slow things down a little bit so people can have more information, uh, more time with the information, not feel so pressured, but also the providers can understand that certain communities are coming with this historical trauma that lives in their DNA that lives in the narratives of their families um, and in their lived experience. And so uh, sharing that and having providers be cognizant of that and having that impact the way they uh, support families. I thought that was also an important message that came through in your presentation and a couple of the other sessions today that um, there's there's a, a lot of love for long-acting reversible contraceptives mm -hmm. because they're very effective. Yeah. Right? And, and Peak efficacy mm -hmm. is not the only thing that should be considered when you're recommending right. a contraceptive method and that um, good counseling means mm -hmm. really understanding right. 
where your patient is coming from, what their concerns are, what their needs are. I think as a doula, one of the things that I hear a lot from my patients um, at some point, especially if they're black women, is that they constantly keep asking me what kind of contraception I'm going to use. What am I thinking about for family planning? And it's something they hear every single visit. And when I talk to my white clients, I don't hear that as often. I'll be like, oh, they mentioned it once or twice during my pregnancy, but it kind of left me alone. But there is research out there that shows that black women and Latino women are more um, pressured to choose a contraceptive option in pregnancy and in the postpartum period. And there's so much talk about um, who should be having babies. Why are they having so many babies? They can't take care of these babies. But we need to come back to the decision that, or to the realization that everybody's autonomous, that people make their own decisions, and that we're just there to support them. We're not there to police them. So in your experience working in the healthcare system, how do you see providers shaping their patients' experiences around contraceptive care and around reproductive health access? Yeah, I my hope is that doctors and providers will be more like doulas. And I say this in everything, and I think doulas, the great thing about us is that we just hold space. We listen to what you want. Um, we're not coming and saying, hey, so I think we need to talk about this now. Um, we're saying, what do you want your experience to be? And this is all your options. These are the benefits, risks, and alternatives to all of those options. Here you go. Do you need any more support in making a decision? And hopefully we can get to a place where doctors feel more comfortable having those kinds of conversations, where they feel... Um, that I think there's a disconnect. A lot of doctors may feel like that is not um, servicing their their clients in the way that they have been trained to. Um, but we also need to address how doctors are being trained um, and, and really seeing people as a whole and taking that time. And so hopefully doctors will be able to take that um, extra minute and understand uh, a little bit more about why somebody is seeking contraception. Because if you have a 17-year-old woman coming into, or girl, coming into your office saying, hey, I want contraception, you're going to be like, Lark, great, <laughs> which is what a lot of doctors want to do and that's not a problem. However, it would be great to slow down and find out why is she seeking contraception? Does she um, want to regulate her hormones or is she experiencing bad acne? And what are other ways that we can get her to her end goal that are not just throwing some medication her way that definitely impact her developing body um, and have other side effects that she may not fully understand. Uh, so just taking a little bit more time, <clears throat> but that is challenging and our, our doctors are dealing with a lot of um, issues and so hopefully there's some collaboration that can happen between community-based doulas, community organizations, and the healthcare field. Thank you so much for sitting down with me. This was a real pleasure. Yes. No problem. Thank you for inviting me. Learn more about Leanne's work supporting maternal health at maroonkalabash.com. You can check out our show notes for a link. On the next Women's Health Cast, we'll learn about HPV tests, pap smears, and what to expect during an annual Well Woman visit from Dr. Cynthia Watlett. The Women's Health Cast is a production of the University of Wisconsin-Madison Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology. This episode was produced and engineered by Rob Garza. You can subscribe to Women's HealthCast on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you like to get your podcasts. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at WISCOBGYN. Please let us know how we're doing, rate and review us on your podcast app, and let us know what women's health issues you would like to learn about. Thanks for listening.